welcome back to another edition of the I'm Always Right Sports Podcast. I am your host, as always, the mouth of Michigan, Rob Medeca, and I'm riding solo today. We're missing the Mercs, we're missing the women, we're missing everybody today. Mike is out of town, Kyle's busy doing other stuff, so it's just me this week, unfortunately. Fortunately for some, I don't know, maybe I'm your favorite person on the show, I'm not really sure. But regardless, I'm happy you're here, I'm glad to be here. Let's jump right in. I know last week we talked and we were going to talk about how we were going to talk about AEW's All Out show. We were going to talk about WWE Payback. We're going to be talking NBA playoffs. There's a lot of stuff that we were going to talk about this week. But because we got so many people out, I'm going to take a little bit of a detour this week. And we're going to delay that just one week. So next week we're going to talk AEW's All Out show. I have a lot of thoughts on that. We're going to talk WWE Payback. We're going to be talking NBA playoffs. By that point, we'll be pretty close to knowing, hopefully, how the East, the East and Western Conference Finals are going to set up. But today, I'm going to be talking strictly about one topic and one topic only. We are less than a week away from the opening of the NFL season. We are a week away, as of this recording, from the Lions home opener. And with that, becomes the Lions roster cut. So that's what we're going to talk about today for this entire episode. We are going to be talking the Detroit Lions 53-man roster going into your 2020 NFL season, including the signing that they just made today. So with that being said, let's jump right in. We're going to start on the defensive side of the ball Um We've talked at nauseum about how this is such a big year for the Detroit Lions. It's such a big year for um, anybody and everybody who is in part of that organization right now. Matt Patricia, Bob Quinn, you're looking at this organization and it's it's a make or break year for sure, right? You're going in and thinking to yourself that yes, um, on paper, I like where this roster is. There's some depth issues at certain positions and we're going to go into that in a second. But really looking at this team, you know, and I've talked about this before, this is a this was a 500 football team last year. I know you can say, well, they only won three games with Stafford going down with the point differential that they were at. It's an eight and a half point differential. So if all these games last year go exactly the same way and Stafford is there, they score eight and a half more points. They're seven, nine, and one, right? So they're about a 500 football team. I do think they've gotten better. I think this secondary is the deepest secondary they've had in a long time. I think that their linebacking core is going to be better than I think some people realize. Do I think the pass rush is still there? Absolutely not. No, and I do think that's going to be an issue. But we're going to talk about all these things as we go and break down this roster um, position by position, quite frankly. And I'm really excited about it. They made some tough cuts, some surprising cuts. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. But let's just jump right in here, guys. And obviously, I want to, hit, want to let you guys know that uh, if you guys have any opinions on this Lions roster, feel free to reach out to us uh, at I'mAlwaysRightPC.com. Make a comment on our YouTube page or uh, send us a message at I'mAlwaysRightPC.com at the contact page. So really appreciate all the engagement there. But let's just start out at, let's just say, the, the weak point um, on this defense, right, which is the defensive line. They only kept six defensive linemen. You've got, obviously, Trey Flowers, Romeo Aquara, Deshaun Hand, Nick Williams, Danny Shelton, and John Penasini, the defensive tackle out of Utah. So... Kevin Strong was probably the one guy that I think a lot of people were probably shocked. He played some meaningful snaps last year. He's probably, with the way the practice squad works right now, where anybody can be on the practice squad, quite frankly, um, short-term IR, you can be brought back after only a couple weeks. There's a lot of movement, I believe, that's going to be happening, not with just the Lions roster, but with rosters across the league. I think there's going to you're going to see guys going up and down off practice squads. You're going to be seeing, and we're going to talk about that more uh, when it comes to tight end group in the second half of the show. But really, really understand that, you know, this team is going to be predicated on two things, being able to cover, right, and linebacker play. So the defensive line, I think sometimes, I know we value pass rush more than, you know, a lot of people do, especially here in Detroit, because at one point we had a really good pass rush. But 
It's never really what New England did. It's never really what Belichick has ever been predicated upon. I know he had LT in New York, but you know when it when it comes to his time in New England, they were never really known as a heavy pass rush team, and they've had great talent there. Um, but you've also seen him get rid of a Richard Seymour. You've seen him get rid of a Chandler Jones and Bill Belichick. So the defensive line where it's at, I think, could be better. Do I think it could be bolstered by another signing of some sort? Yes, and I think they have the cap space to do so. Um, but nonetheless, I think that it's important to realize that it's really going to be predicated on linebacker play. But this defensive line, it is what it is. Trey Flowers is obviously going to be huge for you, Romeo Aquara. Um, Deshaun Hand, though, I really do feel is the key to this because Hand and Flowers is really going to be the two guys that can go both in and outside. They can line up as a as a pass rush and D tackle. They can line up outside. Hand, especially with his with his versatility, is going to be super key to this defensive line group. Nick Williams is is fine. Danny Shelton is going to fill your Vince Wilfork if you're talking Patriots is going to fill your Damon Harrison for us last year. Um, that's what Danny Shelton is. He's not going to provide you a ton of pass rush. Uh, Penasini, obviously, is a rookie. I don't expect a ton out of him. Um, and Aquara is a rotational pass rusher who I assume at some point, you know, will be passed up by his brother, who we'll talk about in a second. But overall, it's Deshaun Hand and Trey Flowers' show. But <clears throat> and let's shift now to the to the linebacker group, which I think is where more of your pass rush, I think, is going to be coming this year as compared to last year and years prior. The Lions have eight linebackers this year. Obviously, Jamie Collins... Uh, the big free agent signing coming over from New England. He's the most, he is the key to this group uh, by far. He can put his hand in the ground. He can cover. He can run stuff. He can do everything. He's an all He's an all-around freakish athlete, and he is going to be a super big key to this linebacking core. He's going to play almost 100% of the snaps for sure. Um, he, he's going to be key, absolutely. Um, you got Jared Davis still. Christian Jones, Chelani Tavai, the rookie Julian Aquara out of Notre Dame, who are really high on. Reggie Ragland, former linebacker from the Chiefs. Jalen Rees-Maben, who is a is one of the best special teams players in the league and has, when gotten meaningful defensive snaps, has actually played pretty well. And the surprise is Elijah Lee, which, once again, I think is more of a special teams play than anything. Um, but, to let, you know, to talk about this linebacking core, you know, we talk about how sometimes we've seen guys like Christian Jones, who was supposed to be a coverage linebacker, that hasn't really worked out. And Jared Davis have been kind of liabilities in the past game. And Jelani Tavai to a certain extent as well. Um, I think Jamie Collins is going to fix some of that, right? And we're going to talk about the corners and the safeties here in a minute. But Jamie Collins is really going to be your all-around, your, your four, four down, really, a linebacker. Um, I, I expect Jared Davis to be on the edge quite a bit more. I expect... Uh, him to be pass rushing a lot more due to the fact that he is good against the run. He does have an he's he's extremely quick for being a linebacker. He's extremely athletic, so I think you're going to see a lot of that from Jared Davis. Um, Christian Jones is still still going to be an off ball linebacker. I'm not high on Christian Jones. I don't I, I get why he's there. He's a big dude. He's a good athlete, but he really hasn't played up to you know what my expectations were when they signed him. So I'm expecting that. Christian Jones is probably going to start being worked out of the rotation, if I had to guess. Jelani Tavai is going to be your starting middle linebacker this year. That's obvious. Um, as you saw last year, uh, you know, Jared Davis kind of being phased out of the straight prototypical middle linebacker role, and Tavai being the more, you know, he's the captain of that defense. Um, I expect that to continue. Once again, the pass coverage has to be better for sure, but if he can just if we can just make the solid play and nothing spectacular, I think you're going to see a big uptick from Tavai. Um, Julian Aquara, 
is a hybrid guy, right? He can play linebacker, but he's also going to be a pass rusher, similar in the way that I think Jamie Collins is, is in that regard, where I don't expect Aquara to be dropping back into coverage quite a bit, but I do expect him to be on the edge, being able to set that edge as that jack linebacker, being able to come around, right, where you've got a, a Trey Flowers maybe on the inside shoulder of the tackle, right, maybe in that C gap, and then you've got somebody right on the edge, or maybe, you know, Trey Flowers or hand is heads up on the tackle, and then on the outside there, you're going to see uh, a guy like Julian Aguara, who's, you know, who was a one of the most efficient pass rushers in college last year, uh, great value in the third round that they got for him, so I think that you're going to see a lot of that. I think it's going to be a slow process for him, though. So I don't expect him week one against the Bears to be going out there and pulling four sacks. That, that's that's a bit too lofty of expectations. But I believe by the end of the year, he'll be seeing some true meaningful plays. Um, Reggie Raglan, uh, you know, it, it is what it is. Uh, I'm not really necessarily, like, overly thrilled with him. Uh, him and Elijah Lee were signed actually together, weirdly enough. Um you know, solid, solid piece. Nothing spectacular. He's a former first-round pick. Um, you know, he played at Bama. He was playing at Buffalo. He was with the Chiefs. I, I, he's not a playmaker for me. I, I expect him to get rotational, uh, rotational time. I guess I'm talking basketball terms when it comes to minutes. But like, I don't, I don't necessarily see him um, doing anything to hurt or uh, detriment to the to the defense. Like I said, Jalen Reeves, maybe Elijah Lee, both going to play a lot of special teams for sure. Um, but expect a lot more blitzing. They, they kept a lot of these linebackers here for a reason. You know, Jared Davis, uh, Jamie Collins, Aquara. These guys, all guys, I think, are really going to start rushing the passer more. And I think you're going to see the defense tiled up just a little bit more than we did last year. I mean, you could be more dialed down, quite frankly. Um, but I do think for sure that you're going to see this team really start to get creative um, with, with their with their blitz packaging as far as uh, from their linebacker play. And I think for a couple of reasons. Number one, you got a guy like Jamie Collins who can hopefully kind of shit, you know, take a running back or take a tight end and maybe, you know, cover him or nothing or, you know, if nothing else, you know, run with him until a safety or a corner can go with him and, and then play just straight, you know, stock coverage. But the reality of it is, is that with the way you set up your defensive line, with the way the amount of linebackers you kept, you're going to need pressure from the linebacking core. You're going to need to be able to be creative. And I'm hoping that with a couple guys they brought in who kind of already knew the system, we're in year three of this system now, that we should be running on, all, on full cylinder for sure. Let's talk about this cornerback group. Uh, they kept seven corners, which goes to show you that they kept eight linebackers. They kept seven corners. Um, Jeff Okuda, obviously, third overall pick. Desmond Trufant. Um, is probably going to be your, your CB1 to start the year. Justin Coleman, you know, you know the high price for agent last year. Amani Awarie, fifth-round pick out of Penn State. Tony McRae, uh, Daryl Roberts, and Mike Ford. There's a lot of pieces there. Excuse me, guys, that was my phone. Um, uh, and Mike Ford. So you, there's a couple pieces there that for sure are going to be um, – I love I love the secondary right now. I really do, and I'll tell you why. Um it's when you when you think about this when you think about in terms of what they had last year going in you had Darius Slay you had Rashawn Melvin and Justin Coleman now what you're going to have is Desmond Trufant you're going to see I'm assuming Awarie is going to actually start a week one if we're talking like first play of the game and then Je and Coleman and Jeff Okuda but in the reality by week two or three I'm guessing what you're going to wind up seeing is you're going to see Jeff Okuda 
you're going to see Desmond Trufant on one side. You're going to see Okuda on the other. You're going to see Coleman in the slot. Awarie being your four. But then you've also got Dale Roberts and Tony McRae, who both had pretty good camps. Dale Roberts, former starter for the Jets. Mike Ford, who's had played a ton of meaningful snaps for this football team in the last few years. It, it, there's just a lot of there's a lot of people in here who have a lot of time, a lot of playing time, and I feel like there is a there's a, there's a drop off right between a guy like say Daryl Roberts and Desmond Trufant. But the point is is that I don't feel like like last year where if Slay got hurt, we were really in deep doo doo honestly. You know where when it comes to depth, right? You know Slay did not play very well last year, but you were still in a in a difficult position when it comes to. Um, who do you slot where, right? You're forcing Justin Coleman to play on the outside, which for one half of the year went okay. Second half of the year, he was abysmal. But now that you have Trufant, you've got Okuda and Awarie, all three are going to play the outside, and then you're allowing Coleman to go back to his natural position, which is in that slot. They're running a lot of nickel anyway. You're really going to see, I think, um, a better, more refined secondary. They hired Corey Unlin, the new defensive coordinator. He's here for one reason. That's to make this secondary the best it can be, right? So... You know, even though he's going to be calling plays, he's going to have a big hand in that. He's going to have a big hand in what they do as far as the secondary is concerned. They run so much man coverage. They they they're up against it. They're grinding people down, and they're going to have to, you know, with this unknown pass rush, right? But the fact that they have some depth, some really solid depth at this position, um, is extremely exciting to me because once again, I haven't seen them have a true number two corner in a long time. You know, I mean, when Slay was here. You didn't have that next guy, whether it was Rashawn Melvin, whether it was Rasheen Mathis, whether it was Chris Houston. We never had another guy that was that was opposite of a true lockdown corner, right? Trufant stepping in to be the cornerback one temporarily until Okuda kind of gets his feels. That's why Trufant's here. That's why he's only here for a one-year deal is to let Okuda take that rookie year to acclimate before he becomes the number one guy. Awarie is a guy that they are in love with for sure. Justin Coleman is here for another couple years. You've got the building, you got the makings of a really good secondary here that is going to have to be good in order for this defense to be successful. Um, let's move on to the safeties now. Um, I, I like this safety group a lot as well. Um, you know, Tracy Walker, in my opinion, is an absolute stud. He has been kind of rotating with Will Harris a little bit, which is kind of odd to me. I'm hoping that's not one of those things that they did with Glasgow last year, where all of a sudden Tracy Walker is going to be out of here. I think that would be a a very, very bad move by this organization. I am a humongous Tracy Walker fan. I think he's a playmaker. I think he's a guy that potentially this year, if given the opportunity to to be more natural and not be stuck playing that super deep safety, that's what Deron Harmon is going to fill. Tracy Walker could definitely be a Pro Bowl type of player this year. You can mark it down now. Deron Harmon, obviously, as I just mentioned, coming over in the trade from New England, he's going to play that deep safety. He's going to play center field for you. Um, he's been in this system forever. Will Harris, the guy last year out of Boston College, third-round pick, he's more of a strong safety in-the-box kind of guy. Um, he, he really struggled last year. I know he's been playing a lot with the number ones uh, in training camp. However, I still think Tracy Walker and Deron Harmon are going to be your starting safeties, but they run a lot of three safety sets. So maybe Tracy Walker drops down, maybe helps cover, and kind of plays that roaming safety kind of a la Troy Palomalu-ish where he's just kind of roaming. He doesn't have a guy necessarily. Um, he's just making plays all around because his ball skills are phenomenal. And then, uh, and then you have C.J. Moore, Miles Killebrew. Once again, super good special teams, guys. Um, the, the Lions play such a high priority on being able to play special teams. So 
It's not surprising to see Killebrew here. It's not surprising to see C.J. Moore. Uh, but I, I, I would be shocked if uh, Will Harris was starting week one. But I, I, you know, I'm, I'm in love with the duo of Deron Harmon and Tracy Walker. I really am. Uh, we'll go into the specialist too right here before we go into the offense in part two of the show. Um, Jack Fox is your new punter. Sam Martin's in Denver. He wins the the punting duel. That's really all I'm going to say about that. We haven't seen anything, so let's just assume that it's, it, he's consistent. Matt Prater's still there in death taxes and Don Muehlbach. He's, he wins that long snapping competition. This was a legit competition from what we've been seeing at training camp. So, you know, Don gets the nod here. Um, I think it'd be a little bit crazy to kind of just revamp everything all at the same time. So I'm happy with that. Uh, I, I don't expect anything crazy out of here. As long as Jack Fox isn't as bad as Nick Harris, which we sat through for 12 years, I'm guessing we'll be okay. Prater's Prater. He's going to be the man in Don Muehlbach, Don Muehlbach. So I'm not, no concerns there. Okay. That's going to be it for the first part of this episode though. Uh, I do want to say once again, thank you so much for all your support. We're going to go to break here just a second. Uh, Road to 100 is on the way, but uh, after we come back from the break, we're going to break down this offensive side of the ball for your Detroit Lions. Lots of somewhat shocking news. We got a new signing here that I definitely got to talk about. Uh, the way they allocated some of these roster spots is extremely interesting. So there's a lot to talk about on the offensive side of the ball, which I think has potential to be a top 10 offense, barring Mr. Matthew Stafford's health. So lots of great stuff coming your way after the break. Can you feel the electricity in the air? Hello, guys. It is you know, the mouth of Michigan, Rob Mendeika here. I am here, and I am so excited to be talking about this road to episode 100, guys. We have such a big video planned for episode 100. Obviously, you're still going to get that podcast that you get every single week that you love and enjoy, but you're also going to see... A, I don't want to say it's a blow-off. I don't want to say it's the end. It's definitely not the end. But for that, I'm always right. 24-7 championship that you see on the desk every single week. That's going to be defended in what is can only be described as, as a truly epic encounter. Swerves and curves all the way around. Um, I'm, I'm extremely excited about what we have done, what we are doing for episode 100. It's extremely exciting. So I appreciate all the support. And I also want to take a moment just to say thank you so much for all the support here. As we get to episode 100, Mike, myself, Kyle, M, everybody here at the I'm Always Right Sports Podcast, we never really thought this would have lasted as long as it did, but thankfully we're still here, we're still kicking, we appreciate all the support once again, stay safe out there. Now here's part two of episode 93, wow. And welcome back to part two of episode 93, the road to 100, like I said, was on I uh, really appreciate all the support here as we get to episode 100. But let's jump right in here to the offense. It's probably not going to be the super uh, longest episode in the world this week, guys. Uh, bear with me here. Um, but uh, nothing, none, nonetheless, you're not going to get better Lions coverage than right here at the MLS Right Sports Podcast. So we're going to break down the rest of these positions here. Let's go right into the offense now. Um, uh, we'll start at the obvious quarterbacks, Matthew Stafford, Chase Daniel, David Blau, being waived, I know some people were a little shocked by that. Uh, I'm not necessarily. Uh, there were times I think that Blau looked better at camp than Chase Daniel did. However, the amount of money they're paying Chase Daniel to be the backup, um, you know, it it, it it was far. It was long. It was a long shot to begin with. And the way they broke down this roster, they didn't have room for a third quarterback. Now, are they hoping Blau kind of just clears waivers and they can put him on the practice squad? Absolutely, and I think that'd be a fine place for him. But um, taking up a roster spot right now, it just doesn't fit. So obviously this, this offense is going to be predicated on what Matthew Stafford does, 
how Matthew Stafford plays. Uh, based off of the, the looks in camp that we're seeing on YouTube, these little snippets and everything. Obviously, you only see the good stuff, for sure. Um, but everything we're reading, everything we're seeing, it, it's, you know, he looks dialed in. He looks locked in. He looks like he's ready to go. Um, I think he's going to be a madman coming out of this season. I really do. Barring barring his health, and let's all say a quick prayer that he that he gets through it. But, you know, this this team goes as Matthew Stafford goes, right? There There is not a more... Um, perfect example of that than the last season where, you know, Stafford goes down, your, your offensive efficiency goes, goes tanks and, and you don't win a game. You know, this team is so, so predicated on what, and what he does, it, you know, and, and it's, it's cliche to say the quarterback's most important position, which it is, but in reality, you know, it's really what makes this offense go is him. So th this team is so going to be reliant upon him playing well this season. The offense is going to have to carry this football team. I know a lot of people want to come in here. This is going to be a lockdown defense. We had the worst defense in the league last year. I don't anticipate it to be go from 31, 31st in the league, 32nd in the league, to being f top five. Ain't going to happen. But do I think that defense can be 15, 16th in the league? That'd be pretty great, right? Just middle of the road defense. I think we take it over what we saw last year with an offense that I legitimately feel has the opportunity, has the weapons, has the ability to be a top 10 offense in this league. Stafford was playing out of his mind last year in this offense. You get another year, more wrinkles, more playmakers on this team. And we're really rolling and ready to go here. We're going to go through some of these playmakers right now. Um, let's start with the running back group, which we have you know a little bit of a modification to, I guess. As of yesterday, Saturday, the, the running backs on this team were DeAndre Swift, obviously, Kerryon Johnson, obviously. Ty Johnson winning that battle over Jason Huntley, the fifth-round pick this year. He's gone. He's probably going to hopefully be brought back on the practice squad. But Ty Johnson wins that role. Jason Cabinda, the fullback. Nick Bowden's on IR, which, whatever. He's a fullback. I don't know why we carry one. Um, and Bo Scarborough. But... I don't know necessarily if Bo is going to be on the opening day roster. He may be putting on IR because as of Sunday morning, Adrian Peterson, that's right, the Adrian Peterson, former Minnesota Viking, um, the guy who basically ran over us for, last, for like seven, eight years, is officially a Detroit Lion, which I think is crazy to say that I am saying that Adrian Peterson is a Detroit Lion. That is mind-boggling to me on so many ways. Um, but he is going to be in that mix as well. Uh, but let's talk about the guys here, you know, DeAndre Swift, Carrion Johnson in particular. You know, this is a make or break year, I feel like, for Carrion Johnson in a lot of ways, right? I don't know. I'm hoping the knee is healthy. He's, he's wearing a brace now. Um, that That's the big key for Carrion. DeAndre Swift, right? We go through this every time they take a running back. We're like, oh, man, maybe this is the one. You know, he had a, he had a soft tissue injury during camp. Um, but he's been electric. He's been explosive. If he can just replicate even, you know, some of what he did in college, I think it's a great find for them. I'm really excited to see Swift in this offense. I think he's a playmaker. I think he's going to be their Elvin Kamara type guy. Um, and with Adrian Peterson now coming in to be that short yardage, downhill running type of guy, he was with Daryl Bevel in Minnesota for three seasons. He knows, you know, this offense. Bevel clearly wanted him to be here. Um, that's why I think he's coming to Detroit, as I think that, you know, he, he's already said that he can't. he's coming to Detroit because he's getting the opportunity to play. I expect him to get, 
maybe, you know, 14 to 18 carries week one against the Bears. I know that's crazy to say, and I'm not saying it because, oh my gosh, it's Adrian Peterson. It's 35-year-old Adrian Peterson, so I'm not necessarily holding my breath. But with the way this has shifted out, DeAndre Schiff's a rookie coming off injury. He missed some time. How comfortable are the Lions going to be putting him in their week one? on Johnson, I don't know if this Adrian Peterson signing is a is a representation necessarily of, of Carrion's health and their confidence or lack thereof of Carrion's health. Um, Bo Scarborough has been banged up. He may be out, you know. So you're looking at this and you go, man, man they need some, somebody to run the ball, right? Ty Johnson cannot be the only legitimate guy who's been in this offense for more than five days. So, you know, I, I he's not going to cut in. People are already freaking out and saying, that either Swift is hurt still or or that he's going to cut into Swift's touches. I don't think that's the case at all. I think you're going to see uh, a you know a a moderate dose of Adrian Peterson. I don't think he's going and I think he's going to have to come in realizing and I think he's probably already had this conversation with Lions personnel where he's not going to be the feature back. He he wasn't the feature back in Washington either, but the fact that he's going to be able to come in here in a system that relies heavily on a downfield runner, uh, relies heavily on the play-action pass, and not many people, even still today, do it better than Adrian Peterson. Um, is there the worry in the back of my mind that he's going to come in and it's just going to be like a C.J. Anderson or it's going to be like a, a LeGarrette Blunt? Yes, absolutely. And I think any Lions fan would be somewhat, you know, tepid to this signing until we see him on the field. However... You know, when I look at what Peterson did in Washington, and I look at, you know, the fact that they didn't have a lot of weapons, there's so many more weapons here, and the fact that he's not going to be relied upon to really be the guy, or even the number two guy, and for such a low amount of money, he signed for a million bucks with, with incentives to be, I think, two to three. Um, you know, I, it, it's a low-risk signing for the Lions that... And on, you know, it's a win-win, quite frankly, right? If because if he plays well, then Peterson gets another shot in the league somewhere else, or even here next year. If he doesn't, it is what it is. But it doesn't cost the Lions much, and they can cut him really with not a lot of dead weight. But you know, they've they've tried so hard over the last couple of years to really refine this running back group. I like the depth that they have here. I'm I'm in love with what I'm hearing out of DeAndre Swift. Carryon is still for me a poor man's Le'Veon Bell, and if he can stay healthy, which I think is is so paramount to this group where you've brought Peterson in now, you have Swift and Carrion, you've got a three-headed monster back there who are all being able to split carries. You don't need one guy to be a four, three, four down back. You can let, all right, first and second down, maybe it's Swift, maybe third down, it's going to be Carrion or an AP, right? You've got guys that are multifaceted and allowing a guy, you know, like, like Adrian Peterson to come in, be a veteran, a guy who is the second all-time leading active leading rusher, only behind Frank Gore, who's 55 years old. A guy who's done it at the highest of high levels um, can only help this group at the end of the day, help people learn this offense. Um, it's an offense that Peterson thrived in in Minnesota. So, you know, if you're ever going to see a perfect scenario for a guy this late into his career to maybe have that little bit left in the tank, use it up now, now would be the time to do it. So, I'm not necessarily against the Adrian Peterson signing. I think it's kind of cool, quite frankly. I think it's going to be awesome to see him in a Lions uniform. I know that's kind of the, the geeky fan in me, but, you know, who would have thought, you know, five years ago, six, seven years ago, you'd be like, oh, Adrian Peterson's going to be a Lion one day. You, you never would have dreamed it, right? It's, you know, think all the way back to 2007 for some of you guys when it was Calvin Johnson or Adrian Peterson. Who was the pick going to be? And, 
You know, you hear reports later that if Kelvin got picked at number one, that Adrian Peterson was going to be a Detroit Lion. And wh what would that have done? Would that have changed our fortunes in any way? There's just so many variables there. So, so now that he's here as a Detroit Lion, it, it's going to be fun, if nothing else, right? It's going to be a cool thing to see. Um, let's just hope that if he can get us, if he can just be an efficient third and one guy, third and goal from the two. If he can do that all the time, then I'll be happy with this signing, right? And you know, and if it's anything more, great. If it's not, you didn't really lose a ton out of it, and I think that they'll be quick to pull the plug on it, um, barring you know injury and what have you. So it'll be fun. It'll be extremely interesting. I, like I said, I'm just interested to see the actual photos of him in a Lions uniform. I think it's going to be super neat, super weird, but super cool at the same time. So be excited about that. You know, th this team is going to rely heavily upon the run. Um, I say that every year, but. You know, they really want to be able to control the clock and run the football. Um, but we'll see, you know, health pertaining. But all right, let's shift now to the tight end group here. Now, this is the one I think that's a little shocking for some. Uh, they only kept three tight ends. You've got TJ Hawkinson, you got Jesse James, and Hunter Bryant, the undrafted free agent out of Washington. Now, Isaac Nada getting waived. Uh, he was a seventh round pick last year. There's a lot of reports that he's probably going to get brought back on the practice squad if he clears waivers. Um, so if he does. You know, I you know, and Hunter Bryant's still 100 healthy. They could be bringing Hunter, they could be bringing Nada on the practice squad and bring him right back up to the main roster, uh, because IR is so a such a temporary thing. Instead of maybe six to eight weeks, it's only a three week time where you can bring people back. So you know, you could see that as well. But the really the the crux of it all is this: it's Hawkinson and Jesse James, and Hawkinson has looked like an absolute monster in camp. Uh, he's bigger, he's faster, he's got a better grasp of the offense. You know, Bevel has already come out and said he needs to get his tight ends more involved. I think Jesse James is going to have a bounce back year. I mean, how could you not? That he was abysmal last year. Um, so with that being said, I think that Hawkinson is really going to become the guy that I think a lot of people had hopes for last year. And I think in that Arizona game, you saw glimpses of it. You've seen glimpses, you know, all year last year from Hawkinson. I think you're going to see even more of that now. Um, with, with, with Bevel, you know, making a concerted effort to be like, okay, we need to get tight ends more involved. Stafford loves throwing to his tight ends. Pettigrew had over 80 receptions a year. It felt like for the first four or five years that he was here with Stafford. So lots of potential here, um, with, with this tight end group, Jesse James obviously needs to be a lot, a lot, a lot better. Cause you know, he's he, right now he's just taking up air. Um, and Hunter Bryan is kind of a wild card, right? He had a first good couple weeks of, and then he got hurt. They obviously liked what they saw. He's a cheap option. If he fills that Logan Thomas role for them, I think he'll be pretty solid overall. Um, not not a ton to, to break down on the uh, on the tight end group, really. I mean, it is what it is. It's Hawkinson and Jesse James and then a whole bunch of other guys. Um, wide receivers, they kept six. And this is probably the one group that everybody's like, I don't think you have anywhere anybody else to cut out of these top six. And quite frankly, you're right. You know, you got Kenny Galladay, obviously, Marvin Jones, Danny Amendola, Quintez Cephas, the fifth-round pick out of Wisconsin, Marvin Hall, and Jamal Agnew. You remember Jamal Agnew, the kick returner, who's from a corner. Now he's a wide receiver. Um, you know, this has kind of been the top six that they've locked in, and I don't think that they could have. The guys that they cut, a, a Kennedy or a Chris Lacey, those guys, they, they never really they had a far shot from this. Quite even like I think Jeronimo Allison is probably pretty good that he that he opted out this year because I still don't think he makes the roster with with these six guys on here. Um, obviously the top three were pretty locked in from the get go: Galladay, Jones, and Amendola, um, and even quite frankly Marvin Hall. You know he only had a couple 
he had a, a lot of big plays last year. I wouldn't say a, a lot's not the best word. I guess a couple big plays, but when he did touch the ball, it was impactful. Quintez Cephas, they like a lot. Um, he's probably been arguably the best rookie in camp. I think he's going to see more plays than I think a lot of people expect. You know, Marvin at the end of his deal, um, you know, it, is that a sign possibly that we may see that? It, it, we may have to come to that realization. I'm not sure. I wouldn't necessarily be thrilled. I think Marvin's got more left in the tank, but he is 30. And at the last year of his deal, there, there could be some flexibility there. Uh, Marvin Hall, and then Agnew, you know, being the punt return, kick return guy, he's going to be explosive as always. Um, they tried to do a little bit with him on offense last year, right? I, I think you just continue to see that. What you're really seeing, though, is you're seeing playmakers, right? And that's and that's the big thing, right? This wide receiving core is going to go as Kenny G goes. Um, you know, he's a top five receiver in this league right now. You know, he, he doesn't do anything... Um, he doesn't do anything that wows you until you watch a full Lions game and then you realize the the impact that he has, right? He doesn't have 4-3 speed. He's not, um, you know, he, he doesn't have that super-duper crisp route running like uh, Michael Thomas does, but contested catches, being physical at the point of attack, being able to go up and, and really have, you know, that same kind of relationship on the field that Kelvin did with, with, with Stafford where, you know, he kind of just throws it up there and Kenny G just goes and gets it, you know, the... The ability for him to do what he does best with Marvin and now Amendola there, you know, I'm I'm really excited for this for this uh, wide receiving core. It's going to be a good time. Lots and lots of playmakers. You're going to hear me say it a lot, but it's the reality of it, right? That this this offense, when you look at this team going in, you got Stafford, Swift, Carryon. Um, if you want to throw Peterson there, you can. If not, that's fine. Swift and Carryon in there. Hawkinson, Jesse James, Galladay, Jones, Amendola. Like you've just got. Weapons among weapons among weapons. And so when you hear me say that this can be a top 10 offense, especially when you look at it on paper and the performance and the, and the numbers that they were putting up, don't be shocked by that. Um, we're going to get now into the offensive line here. This is the weak part of the offense for sure. Um, they kept four offensive tackles, Taylor Deckard, uh, Big V, Halop, uh, Vitae, Big V I'm going to call him, uh, Tyrell Crosby, and Matt Nelson. Um, you know, Taylor Deckard getting an extension um, a good deal for the Lions, good deal for Decker, right? I, I think that they, you know, he gets a four-year extension really is what it is. Um, you know, I, I'm happy that Taylor Decker is going to be a Lion long-term. If you're if you're upset with with the extension, which I, I guess you could be in, in a sense, um, you got to look at it in a couple ways. Number one, I don't think there's a left tackle in this draft um, that you're going to be able to get, especially if you're anticipating on being at least a 500 football team this year. And two, um Taylor Decker is Jeff Backus. That's what he is. He, he's he's a guy that at times can be a top 10 left tackle, and there's other times where he'll have one drive where he's got three penalties to his name. It, it is what it is, but it, it at the same time, you know, he has been somewhat consistent. He, he's been he's been available. Um, you know, he's the anchor to that line, and I think he does a nice job overall considering everything. Um, you know, the, they, they hit on this pick, right? 16th overall. Out of Ohio State, he's played well. Um, I anticipate him to continue to grow and continue to get better as as this goes on. But he's Jeff Bass, is what he is. So if you're expecting him to be a Tyron Smith, that's not what he is. But is is if is Taylor Decker a middle of the road, above average left tackle? Yes, he is. And all left tackles get paid. Um, and I'm glad that I'm glad that he's here. Uh, Big V is going to be key to this offensive line. Um, Rick Wagner's gone. Insert Vitae. I mean, I don't think you can get much worse than Rick Wagner because Wagner was awful. Um, 
so he's in Green Bay, so I'm really looking forward to seeing how that goes for them. But, um, you know, Big V getting an opportunity to be a full-time starter for the first time. I like how they structured their contract. We talked about that a couple weeks ago in our uh, free agency episode. But, you know, he's going to be key for sure. Like I said, I don't think he can get much worse than Wick Wagner, so I'm not necessarily expecting him to kind of blow the doors off. But I don't expect him to be um worse either you know if nothing else it's an even trade-off maybe a little bit better just off of potential a little bit more youth he's a big dude um in the time he has played in philadelphia he was effective um so i think we're gonna see i think we're gonna see uh, a an improved big v um you know where i think you're i think you're gonna be okay on the right side let me put it that way uh tyler crosby he's gonna be the swing tackle he's been that for a couple years Matt Nelson, same thing, just as another as another backup there. Hopefully, we don't have to see one of these guys very much. Um, and Big V and Taylor Decker get the job done. Um, last position here, guards and centers. Uh, you got Joe Dahl, Frank Ragnow, Jonah Jackson, and Logan Stenberg. I think this is one of the other groups I think some people were shocked by. Ode Bushi, he's gone. Bo Benjiswal, he's gone. And um, Kenny Wiggins gone as well. So, you know, a couple of those guys, especially Bushi and Wiggins, um, I, I think a lot of people expected one of those guys to be brought back. And maybe they could be. Wiggins, I've been hearing, could be brought back on the practice squad. But they really went young here. Not a ton of depth by any means. Uh, Matt Nelson, I guess, could technically play some guard as well. He would need to. Um, but, you know, Jonah Jackson, third-round pick out of Ohio State. Logan Stenberg, fourth-round pick this year out of Kentucky. Both guys, you know, have had some... You know, Jonah Jackson's been starting since day one. Your, your starting line is going to be Taylor Decker, um, Fr Joe Dahl, Frank Ragnow, Jonah Jackson, and Big V. That's how it's going to go. However, I don't know which way it will go. I don't know if Jackson will swap with, with Dahl or whatever. But, you know, Frank Ragnow is going to be a top five center if he's not already in this league. I don't care what anybody says. He's got a tremendous control of the offensive line. You're seeing it. He's effective. Um, they really nailed that pick. As much as I, I was not a fan of it when they did it, looking back on it now, I mean, he is he's truly he, he truly does you know do a really nice job of getting of getting things set up and getting it done correctly. Um, much more effective than Travis Swanson. He's been available. He's been effective. He's been consistent. Um, another big year for Rag now is definitely in the works. Joe Dolls is Joe Doll. He's all right. He's not great. He's coming at a super good price, which doesn't hurt. Um, you know, and then Jonah Jackson, Logan Stenberg. You know, I think Stenberg could probably be starting next year, honestly, in, in place of Dahl. Jonah Jackson, when they drafted him, I was extremely excited about him. They had him at the Senior Bowl. You know, he played at Ohio State. He's got he's got some versatility to him. Um, you know, they've done a really nice job of drafting offensive linemen. This this regime has, and I continue with with Jonah Jackson as a guard. He's going to slot right in. He's going to be fine. Um, I expect maybe Kenny Wiggins or somebody to be brought back, though, just as insurance, um, just in case. Uh, but I really like this team, though. But as this, like as I said before, this offense is going to go as the as the offensive line goes and as Matthew, as Matthew Stafford goes. They keep Matthew Stafford upright. They keep him without getting sacked 60 times. I think this offense, you know, obviously barring injury, which is obviously an asterisk for every team, is really has the opportunity to be a top 10 offense in this league. And I know... A lot of people may be like, I don't know, blah, 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 blah. But when you really look at the numbers and you really look at what they were doing last year offensively, you know, they were taking shots down the field. They were they were being aggressive, you know, and I think there needs to be more aggression from this offense. And I think that this team is going to need to score some points to win football games, which thankfully we've got a lot of people who can do that. So, 
you know, they've really invested a lot, you know, in the running back room. I expect Kenny Galladay to get an extension here, hopefully before the season starts. Um, I don't know what's taking so long on that, so I'm hoping that kind of gets wrapped up. He's going to be re-signed. They want to get a deal done. He'll be a top, you know, five, six, seven, eight wide receiver played in the, in the league after that extension is done. But lots of potential, lots of guys that you're just like, oh, man, like this could be a year. You know, Swift and carry on together is going to be great. Hawkinson, I'm calling it right now, could have a Pro Bowl-type season. You've got Galladay, a former Pro Bowler. Marvin is Marvin. He's a big play machine. I think Quintez Cephas is going to have a bigger role than people think. I think you've just got a lot of you've got a lot of guys who do a lot of different things on this offense, and you should be excited about it if you're a Lions fan, especially if Stafford stays healthy, which if he doesn't, you might as well write this season away. But if he is, you know, hopefully, hopefully we're going to be talking about this team being okay and, you know, the first week, obviously, talking about that Bears game is going to be of uber importance because the way this schedule breaks down, you know, if they lose the Bears, I think a lot of confidence from a lot of people will be shot because then you go to the Packers, you go to Arizona, and then you come back home against New Orleans before the bye at week five. Um, the way the schedule is set up this week, one game against the Bears is so important. They're, they're starting Trubisky. You should be able to lock this kid down. You should be able to go and win this game pretty handedly i mean i'm not saying a 49 nothing blow up but you should be able to win this game and we go into week two going into into lambeau field with some confidence to being able to say that they can beat the packers because i do I, I think this nfc north division is wide open i don't think anybody has done anything to really separate themselves i know the vikings got yannick and Gakwe. um i understand that um but they, they're going to be reliant upon some rookies just like we are with justin jefferson and jeff gladney and those types of guys i don't think the packers have gotten better in any stretch of the imagination i think they've stayed the same they've gotten a little bit worse um you know i even though i get it they have aaron Rodgers and the bears are the bears so you know the, this nsc north division is wide open i think the lions have a great chance in this division i think minnesota should be the favorite right now the lions play minnesota and when they play them for whatever reason it looks like they forget how to play football a lot of times but um, even if they don't beat Minnesota this year, I think they can. I think they can beat Green Bay. I think they can sweep the Bears. I, you know, if they go four and two in the division, I'll be thrilled. Um, but that's gonna be it for this week's guys. Uh, I appreciate you guys hanging around for my rambling. You know, I talk kind of fast sometimes. Mike will be back next week. Hopefully, Kyle will be back as well. Uh, but Mike for sure will be back next week. This is a weird show uh, to be able to do this by myself. It's a little weird, but it was fun at the same time. I enjoyed getting a little bit of depth here on this Lions roster as we get into the season. I'm excited. I'm nervous. I'm praying. I'm hopeful. All the stuff that, you know, Lions fans are every single year. Um, but I am excited, you know, and I'm excited to see, I, and it's, and it's honestly more out of anything. It's out of fear. I'm excited because, you know, it, it's either going to work or it's done. There's no more talking about it at this point. It's just getting it done and hoping, you know, that it finally comes together for them and, and we're there at the end and we're in contention. That's all you can ask for at the end of it. So, um, once again, guys, thank you so much for staying with me. Thank you uh, for supporting the show. Obviously, go to belowthecollar.com forward slash I'm always right PC to buy our official merchandise. Um, once again, I really appreciate all the support you guys have as we get on to this episode 100. Um, but that's going to be it for us this week, episode 93 in the books. For the missing whale man and for the missing Merc Zone, I'm the Mouth of Michigan, and we will see you guys as always next time. <laughs>